You know, I was reading a book a while ago and, um, you know, this guy got caught up into heaven and he met, I mean, he saw, you know, as, as described in Revelation 4, he saw everything as described there in the 420 elders, the innumerable company of angels. He saw the, he saw the cherubim and the seraphim, you know, everything that the Bible describes. But he said he also saw 400 people and that these 400 people were not saints that had died. There were people on earth that had come to heaven to visit, like just like he came to visit. And he said that in these times, more and more, we will experience the presence of God in such a way that some of us might not be aware of where we are, but we're actually in his presence, in his very presence. Hallelujah. And he said that there's something significant about that because when, when you get into that presence, um, the Lord actually sends angels of his presence to accompany you. The angels that have been with him from the beginning to accompany you and carry with with them that atmosphere that you had in that presence. It's not just meant to be experienced and left there. It's meant to be experienced and brought back. Hallelujah. That presence is meant to be functional in your daily walk. Um, All that will spend more time in his presence and will penetrate the veil of the flesh and actually enter into the very presence of God. Um, what a time this morning. What a time this morning. And I'm just saying that to say this, that this atmosphere that we have is not an atmosphere that's going to remain here. We're going to carry it with us. Hallelujah. We're going to carry it with us wherever we go. And it's important that we fan that flame of his presence. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, give someone a, an elbow. Um, you know how an elbow used to be a, a rude word before? You know, like give someone, a, give someone an elbow. Give someone an elbow and... Um, you know, welcome them to church this morning. You may be seated. Thanks, guys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's great to have you all this morning, have you all here um, at this our gathering. You know, for those who haven't been with us for a while, um, we have uh, we have house churches and, um, and every four to six weeks we get together <coughs> um, for a gathering. You know, we're trying to we're trying to encourage more and more people to to actually come for the gathering because people have gotten so used to house church. It's like, ah, I like my house church, you know. But it's important to understand that high life is uh, is more than uh, you know just um, the house churches, even though it's a great expression. Um, we have a, a larger community. Amen. Praise the Lord. You guys can come forward. Come come and sit in front. Now. What's wrong with you guys? Come forward. Praise the Lord. Okay, make room, make room, make room. Is there a red carpet? Okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, um, so we're going to get into the Word, and we're going to do some practical stuff um, <clears throat> this morning. And um, I've called it a Vision Sunday. just want to test my... Called it a Vision Sunday. Um <clears throat> You know, and I'm, I'll start from, let's just pray. Father, we're thankful for, for this time together. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's, always, that's already operational here. Um, we've started somewhere and you're leading us deeper. So, Lord, we just open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit. Open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, uh, to help 
guide us. Show us things to come, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've called it the Vision Sunday. And, um, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, I hope everyone can see this. If you can't, just move to, you know, it's important that you see this. And we don't have several screens. We only have the one. So if you can't, uh, position yourself so that you can, uh, because I'm going to be using that this morning. In Proverbs 29, 18, the Passion Translation says, where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. When, you know, it didn't say if, it says when. There is only one thing that's going to keep you focused, and that is clear prophetic vision. Clear prophetic vision. It says, when there is no clear prophetic vision, people wander astray. You know, in my book, Meditation, or Biblical Meditation, I said that uh, the greatest strategy of the enemy in this time is not sin, it is distraction. That is his greatest strategy. He wants to distract the people of God. You know, magicians, um, you know, they do uh, their, their expertise. You can come forward. There are two chairs here. Their expertise is misdirection. Can someone define misdirection for me? I'm getting into the mode of the service. We're going to interact. People I don't know, faces I haven't seen before. I want, to, I want you to feel comfortable. Muti, I've, I've seen you before, but your face is looking different. Here's what you're wearing. What would you say misdirection is? Have you ever seen a magic trick? What? <laughs> yes, they're helping you with the mic. Divert your attention. To divert your attention. So, you know, they do something that, I don't know if you've ever seen a card trick, you know, or a coin trick where they, they take out a coin from your ear. And you think, my goodness, they are, you know, they are operating with demonic spirits. But what they do is there will always be something else that will catch your attention so you don't see what they're actually doing. Yeah? The enemy's greatest strategy in this time is misdirection. Yeah? He will, he will make, a lot of, make a lot of noise here. So we are spending all our time here. Meanwhile, this is exactly what he's doing. But the Bible says, it gives us a remedy for that. It says when there is clear prophetic vision, um, we will not be distracted. Um, it says that when we have revelation of his word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. So irrespective of what is happening around you, um, your heart is focused. And, and we see this also in Colossians chapter 3. It says we should feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill our thoughts with heavenly realities, not the distractions of the natural realm. Okay. Because the natural realm will distract you. The natural realm is where the enemy operates, okay? And it is where he can easily misdirect, yeah? But when we have clear prophetic revelation, we'll be focused. And, and you know, this, this church um, um, is founded on clear prophetic revelation. I know the Bible says that um, um, the path of the just... It's as the shining of light that shines brighter and brighter. As we continue to walk with the Lord, he continues to give us greater and greater clarity. 
And that is why it's important that we have sessions like this so, so that as a partner with us in this church, you know where we are headed. Are you with me? You know where we're headed. You know, I think it was in 2019, uh, 2018 into 2019, when I was praying and I was asking the Lord for his word for 2019, I had a phrase that said, all change, please. Can you remember I said saying that? All change, please. And people who, who have lived in England understand that because sometimes, you know, you are on the underground, on the train, and your train, uh, you know, is meant to be taken to a particular destination, but something happens or that train is not going to go as far as you need it to go. So at some point, you need to change trains to get on another one that's going where you're headed. Yeah? So you think you are going this way, but at some point, there's a change. Okay? Um, and the Lord was saying that we're entering the time when there's going to be a shift. Are you with me? There's going to be a shift, a change, and it's going to affect everybody. Okay? We didn't know COVID was coming. It's going to affect everybody. All change, please. Okay? So it's important that as we continue to walk with the Lord, we continue to recognize the changes that he reveals to us. He doesn't change, but, but the path he's taking us down to get us to our, the destination he has purpose for you will require changes. Are you with me? Will require changes. It doesn't mean that the Lord has made a mistake. Um, a good example is when he led the prophet to the brook Kerith, and he led him there. Yeah, during the time of drought. Now, naturally, the prophet would have thought that that was where he was going to stay until the end of the drought. But at some point, there was a change. So it is important um, as we walk together in the fulfillment of God's plan for this ministry that we're very clear on what the vision of God is for the house so that we do not wander astray. Amen. And that is why we're having the service. Now, our vision as a church, I mean, we've, we've modified it and, and made it more focused. And I'm just going to focus on this vision of the church and break it down for us. Because everything that we are doing as a church is going to be based on this. Okay? Our vision, our vision is to raise an army. To raise an army equipped with thought and ability. To build institutions that bring heaven to earth. I've said that in every house church for the first 10 minutes, um, we're meant to discuss the vision and also one of our values because this is how we do what we do. These are our values and this is our vision. There's clear prophetic revelation. There's clear direction about where we're, do where we're going. You know, one of the things about vision is that it determines what you focus on. You know, there are a lot of wonderful things on earth. There are a lot of things that we can be doing, especially if you are smart, intelligent, and you have sense. Is that the same thing as intelligence? Yeah? There's so many things you can be doing. But when you're clear about what the purpose of God is for your life, it focuses you. It doesn't mean that everything else is wrong. But as far as you are concerned, this is what you have to do. Yeah, Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Are you with me? How many of you know that Jesus still left poor people on earth? There were still problems. In fact, the Israel he came to was still, under, was still an occupied territory when he rose from the dead. But he had finished his work 
Hallelujah. He had finished the work of the Father. Every community, and I'll, I'll break it down in a bit, but every community has a purpose, a mandate that they have been assigned by Almighty God to fulfill. Ours is to raise an army equipped with thought and ability to build institutions that bring heaven to earth. So I'm going to spend a bit of time breaking this down, uh, about 20 minutes or so, and then we'll, we'll go into um, the next phase of this. The first is to raise. Everyone say to raise. To raise. You see, implicit in that phrase is progression. Is progression. Okay? We're not going to start it as, as an army. We're going to raise one. To raise an army. So it's, it's progression. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4.15, it says that God has given us equipment so that we will be no longer children. What were we before? But the purpose is that we will no longer be children. So there has to be progression leading to maturity. And then he says, but that we will grow up so that we'll no longer be children. It's okay to be a child at some point. Thank God for children. Yeah. But he says that we will no longer, so we are raising an army. We'll no longer be children, but grow up. Verse 13, and I chose to read this from, I believe, the Passion Translation. Speaking about the fivefold ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. It says that these grace ministries will function until, everyone say until. They will function until we all, everyone say we all. So you see yourself included in this. God has plans for you. Yeah? It says these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God, and finally, we become one perfect man with the full dimensions. Everyone say the full dimensions. With the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. Say God has plans for me. This is what the Lord is doing. So there's going to be progression. So we are here to raise. To raise. To raise. So basically this progression from being in the nursery to being an army. Progression from being children to being sons. Or mature sons. From being nepios, which is the word for children in this earlier passage. Children, nepios. Nepios means unskilled. You can't handle responsibility. Are you with me? You know, when your kids are growing up and adults are having a conversation and, you know, they're having a serious conversation maybe about budget. Dad and mom are talking, you know, talking about budget for the family and the little four-year-old comes in and everyone will wait and say, ah, oh, isn't he wonderful? They'll give him, you know, or her uh, sweetie, you know, and, and all that. And then after a while, they'll tend to go away because the adults need to talk. Because a nepios, an unskilled one, cannot handle responsibility. They don't have the aptitude, the skill, the experience. But the Lord wants us to grow from children. Nepios to Telios. Telios is the mature son of God. So to raise an army is there must be progression. 
yeah, to raise an army equipped, an army equipped. You know, we're going to talk about some of the implications of when, we, of when an army is not equipped. But an army equipped, you know, every army must be mobilized, taught, trained, equipped, and deployed. Otherwise, it's not an army. Yeah? So that means that there is a process. Everybody that comes for basic training in the army, there's always a process. They would mobilize them, get them together. They would teach them. You know, they're not going to start by giving you a gun, first of all. They'll first teach you certain things. And then they will train you. Teaching is different from training. Teaching is what? Different from Ebenezer. What's the difference between teaching and training? Help us. Don't worry. No pressure. Yeah? I'm going to move to the next row after, after you. Yeah. What is the difference? What do you think the difference is between teaching and training? Okay, um, teaching is passing out instruction and training is more, more hands-on. Okay, Akosa, teaching and training. Yeah, we keep going to the senior boys. We're going to the next row after you. Because you, you can't say the same thing you said. You have to add to it. Uh -huh. Yes, yeah, no, that's why we chose you second. Don't worry, there's going to be a third person. Prof, get ready. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Ah. Okay. Yes. So more practical. Okay. Okay, the anointing is not just on this side. I'm coming to this side, but you know, I want you to see what is what your future. I want you to see your future. So, um, Prof, you know, what will you say is the objective of teaching versus the objective of training? Because they've explained what they are, but someone that is teaching somebody, what do you think is in their minds versus someone who is training the person? Okay, you see why they call her prof, yeah? Okay. So the person that is teaching, their focus is to communicate knowledge. And once they have communicated the knowledge, they've taught you as far as they're concerned. Okay. But um, training, the focus is different because they want, they want to develop skill in you. So that knowledge, they, they, it has to be, it has to be, it, it, it has to be, you have to, you live with something, right? And, and training is repetitive until you get it. Are you with me? Now, if we are raising an army, we're not just raising a bunch of well-taught people. Because the objective of an army is to be taught, tra trained, equipped. You see, by the time they train you on the firing range... They give you a gun and they are showing you how to do it. But when they equip you, after you graduate from training, you have your own gun. You cannot be trusted. At the firing range, you are there under instruction. But at some point, the objective is to give your own gun 
And at some point, when the enemies are attacking, we can say that Namdi has been trained, deploy him. In Acts 13, the Spirit said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work whereto I have called them. That is deployment. Release them to do the work. I have taught them, I have trained them, I have equipped them, and now I can entrust them with the anointing and the responsibility that goes with that office. That's why, that's why it is said that many are called and few are chosen. Because the calling is an invitation to a process. Being chosen is that time of deployment. So we're here to raise an army that is equipped. Everyone say equipped. And you see, there are certain implications. If you want to train somebody, your methodology has to be different from that of teaching someone. Are you with me? Your methodology has to be different. You know, I know you can't see this on my screen. I could expand it, but I can't hear. This is called the learning pyramid. And it shows knowledge retention rates. Yeah? The way people retain knowledge. Okay? It's a pyramid. So it says that only five people will retain the knowledge that they get from a lecture. That's why a lot of us graduated from school and we wondered, what did exactly did they teach me again? What did they teach me? Yeah? Only 5%. This is not the devil. The devil is not saying, he's just telling you the way it works. Only 5% will retain what they get from a lecture. Only 10% will retain what they get from reading. Only 20% will retain what they get from an audiovisual um, presentation. These are all passive methods. 30% will retain what they get from a demonstration. So if we have 100 people here and someone demonstrates something, this is how to use a camera. You turn it on this way, you do it. 30% will retain it. Once the remaining 90, 70%, it will go over their heads. Okay? If it's a discussion group, they have a discussion group. 50% of people will retain what happens in the discussion group. Yeah? If it is practiced by doing, so we say, okay, we teach you something. I'll say, let us all practice it. 75%, 75% will retain what they get from practicing by doing. 90% will retain what they, what they teach others to do. You know, I'm, I remember telling somebody that they're going to be a house church leader. I know it's an amazing thing. When you're a house church leader, you have to study the Bible. Yeah? When, when you're given a responsibility, you have to, you have to put it together. Because you're going to teach somebody. You have to know it well enough to be able to teach it. So when you are going through that process of getting ready to teach somebody something, you are learning yourself. Yeah? 90% of what you are teaching them, you would learn, you will retain it. Are you with me? So if we are raising an army equipped, 
that means that our operational process has to be different. We cannot focus on a method, no matter how much you have loved it, we cannot focus on a method that will give you 5% retention. We can't do it. If we're trying to raise an army, you might be uncomfortable that we have house church, but it's because of where we're going. Are you with me? Because our job is to what? To raise an army that is equipped. And you cannot get equipment if all I'm doing is lecturing you. To raise an army that is equipped with thought and ability to build institutions that bring heaven to earth. An army equipped with what? Thought. An army equipped with what? Thought. You see, thoughts become things. Thoughts become things. The Bible says that by faith we understand the world we're framed by the word of God so that things that are seen were not made of things which do appear. Everything that God created began with his thoughts. Thoughts become what? Things. The things that we see were created by thought. There's nothing that you can see that did not start as a thought in someone's mind. There's nothing. It was in God's mind, the devil's mind, your neighbor's mind. There's nothing that you're interacting with. So if we're going to equip an army, the first thing we're going to equip them with is thought. You see, God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Do you know that most heresies began by somebody taking what God did not reveal in full to what they consider to be the, the logical conclusion. Let me say that again a different way. You see, most heresies began by completing what God said halfway. Because we just assume that, ah, this is what he meant to say. Ah, obviously, you know, isn't it amazing the shock that, that Saul had? When on the way to Damascus, Jesus told him that, um, appeared to him and said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard to kick against the pricks. You see, that encounter changed Paul's life forever. Do you know why? Because Paul thought he was doing God's work. He had learning. He had understanding. He was trained by the best in the religion of the Jews. But you know, the Bible says that they did not understand that that covenant was coming to an end. So when he was killing Christians, he thought he was doing God's work. They carried to a logical conclusion what a statement that God had not completed. Are you understanding what I'm saying? He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So an army that is being raised, must be equipped with a different kind of thinking. First, you cannot, the only thing you can create is what you think. Are you with me? And unless your thoughts change, 
You know, Einstein said that we cannot solve a problem using the same level of thinking that created it. If you are thinking on the same level that created the problem, guess what you are going to produce? The same thing. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. He didn't say that most of you don't think like me. Think like me now. Some of you are thinking, no, my thoughts are not your thoughts. You cannot figure out what God is thinking. You must receive revelation. So this army must be equipped with a different way of thinking. First, because they can't create anything that is going to honor God if the way of thinking does not change. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4, let's look at this together. This is again the Passion Translation. Talking about this army. It says, the tools of our trade, the tools of our trade. Everyone say the tools of our trade. Because the question I'll ask you afterwards is, how have we been using these tools? Do we even know we have them? Because he's speaking about you and I, our trade, the trade that we're in. He said the tools of our trade are for demolishing that entirely massively corrupt culture. The massively corrupt culture. What did we think our posture was meant to be about this massively corrupt culture? Nengi, what did, you, what did we think our job was? With this massively corrupt culture out there, what did we think our job was with that culture? It's okay. Someone is coming after you. What did we think our job was? Yes, the culture. You know, the massively corrupt culture. You know, there's wickedness in the oil and gas industry. There's corruption in our nation. What did we think our job was? Our interaction was meant to be with that massively corrupt culture. What did we think it was? It's okay. I have time. One of the great things about having the mic is I just have time. What did we think our job was with our culture? Mr. Ekba, help us. What did we think our job was? To avoid it. Wasn't it? Come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord. You know, we are here to be serious. What we thought was our job was to avoid it. That's our job, avoid it. Paul says... The tools of our trade are for demolishing that mass, entire, entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. You see, philosophy, philosophies are thoughts, aren't they? Our tools are for smashing the philosophies. Not to say uh, they, are, they are confused, they are going to hell. That's what we thought our job was. But it says our tools are for smashing those philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. We are raising an army that is equipped with thought because our job is to smash massively corrupt culture out there. And then the thoughts that have become things and are governing the system of the world, 
we want to bring another thought structure of a life shaped by Christ. Of a life shaped by Christ. We're here to raise an army equipped with thoughts. With thoughts. With thoughts. With thoughts. With thoughts. And ability. Everyone say ability. With thought and ability. And ability. We're not just thinking. Like I said the other week, this revolution is not going to be televised. We're going to get involved in it. An ability. You know, the Lord has filled Bazelel with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, an expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled. Training. He is skilled in engaging and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master of every craft. He's a what? He's a master of every craft. How did he begin? He has filled Bezalel with so the spirit of God in you is to help you to master your craft. Do we see that? To master your craft. To master your craft. To master your craft. To equip you with thought and ability. There's a reason for that. We're raising an army equipped with thought and ability. 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 Speaking about Daniel, whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. He found them ten times more capable. Why were they more capable? They had the spirit of God. And they learned how to leverage the presence of the Spirit of God to master their craft. To master their craft. To solve difficult problems. There's an administration of the Holy Ghost that goes beyond us being able to pray in other tongues. Because when Daniel had a problem he could not solve, he said to the king, give me some time. Because I have access to the master of secrets. Give me some time. I have access to a methodology that can solve this difficult problem that my king is facing. We need to learn that. We need to learn that. An army that is equipped with thoughts an ability. Ability. They are capable. They are experts at what they do. There was a time I was praying and the Lord said that there's going to be a new kind of statesman that I'm going to release in this nation. People that have been equipped with thought and ability to build institutions that bring heaven to earth. 
To build what? To build what? To build what? Institutions. An institution, um, Ellie, help me with this. In our house church, we discussed what is an institution. And she came up with something that I thought was quite interesting. An institution is a structured or established system. It's a system. Everyone says a what? A system. A system. A system. A system. That produces a predetermined output. A system. You you know, we celebrate people. When we talk about being the light of the world. Imagine, maybe I worked. I worked in, uh, like I did in Standard Chartered for a short time, years ago. And then I left Standard Chartered. And after leaving, maybe they asked my colleagues that I worked with. And they all say, ah, Carlton was such a nice guy. Yeah? In fact, when he was here, he was very conscientious, you know. And he, I didn't know he was a Christian. Ah, really? Well, he made a good, he left a good impression of Christians. Yeah? Do you know that if that is the extent of my testimony, then I have not left a system. I have not changed anything in terms of how they do what they do in Standard Chartered. You understand? We, we thought that it was just being the light of the world is just about having a good witness for Christ wherever we go. It's more than that. We're here to establish systems so that even when we leave, you know, it was Yunus that said that the economic system of poverty is a system. The way economy or economics has been designed it is guaranteed to keep people poor. It's a system. The people that had the thought that became the system have died already. But they have left what? That is producing. Do you understand? It's producing a predetermined output. They have left a system. They have left a system. They have left a system. The Bible says the world is passing away. That world there is not referring to the earth. It's talking about the cosmos. The world system is passing away. The world system is ineffective. The system needs reformation. And that is part of our job. To demolish what philosophies. Revival is not complete without institutional reformation. We talked about this when I taught on um, reformation. Revival is not complete. If all we have is more people in churches, if institutions are not being reformed, because part of our job is to, to crush what philosophies. And the reason... Why we haven't done it is because we haven't had, we have not been equipped with thought and ability. Institutional reformation is our mandate. Let's repeat that together. Institutional reformation is our mandate. It's our mandate. Jesus said, I'm going to build my ecclesia and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Institutional reformation 
is our mandate. The seven culture-shaping areas of influence over each society. Their philosophies, the systems that govern those mountains are, have come from people's thoughts. Because thoughts become things. If you trace it back, the, 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 the system, you can trace it back to the people who had the thoughts. And then they seeded the thought into communities. And then those thoughts gained ground. It took time. It took time. Sometimes it took decades. And then those, those, those thoughts became established. And a system was formed. And when they left, the system was still generating. We can do the same thing with the thoughts of God. And not only can we do the same thing, we have been mandated to do the same thing with the thoughts of God. I'm coming to an end. So the tree of the world, the tree of the world is run on systems, nurtured by the ideas of men. Oops. Nurtured by the ideas of men. You need to hear this. The tree of the world. You know, I was saying to somebody, well, I usually say it in some counseling sessions, that if you, if you see a tree, that you don't like. Maybe I usually do it in the context of premarital counseling or counseling. And I say, you see a tree that you don't like. You don't like anything about this tree. You don't like the tree. You don't like the leaves. You don't like the fruit. You don't like anything. You need to remember that that tree began with a seed. That whole tree that you see, it started with a seed. You understand? Somebody planted a seed and they nurtured it and it became this monster. If you want to change the tree, you need to change what? The seed. Because if you're hacking off branches, I hack this branch, guess what? It's going to still sprout. You need to change the seed. So the tree of the world is run on systems nurtured by the ideas of men. The quality of the shade she provides and the kind of fruit she bears depends on on the ideas humanity feeds her. We have created the world that we're in. We have created the world that we're in. We've created it. So, and this is from Pastor Solomon, choice architecture is the design of different ways in which choices can be presented to consumers and the impact of that presentation on consumer decision making so that they are predisposed to act in desired ways. You know, we can seed the thought of God in every system of the world in a way that's appealing to them. And it will bring change. It will bring change. It will bring change. Let's talk about this a little bit. Now, we talk about economics, but we've got what we call neuronomics. And I am coming to an end because it's something I want us to do. You know, Niara is a Swahili word for one with high purpose. So there's a high purpose economics. There's a way economics can be done. It integrates soul winning and effective kingdom creativity. You know, the thoughts that are creating systems, guess where those thoughts have been dis dispensed? Where? Media, yes. That's that's one area. Where are those thoughts being dispensed? Say again. 
Entertainment, yes. HR. Education. That, that's where those thoughts. You, you know, when, when people want to, to institute a new system in the world, they go to universities. They go to the universities. There's a reason why universities are called institutions of learning. Because that university is going to produce a person that when they release that person is going to go and be producing. They don't need to stay. I mean, they graduate. They let them go. But they have, they have inducted them with a way of thinking. So you see, those thoughts and systems are out in the marketplace, in the professions. Yeah? So as the army of the Lord, the army of the Lord is moving from this church congregational mode where this is the scope of our influence to infiltration and penetration to achieve effective kingdom influence. The place where we can generate attraction is to have the thoughts and the abilities that are required to bring solutions to difficult problems. That was going to attract people to the God of this system that we are propagating. And you know, that is not strange because Isaiah said it. In Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3, this is the Message Bible translation. He said, come, let's climb God's mountain. Let's, this is the people of the earth. Let's climb God's mountain. Let's go to the house of the God of Jacob. He will show us the way he works so that we can live the way we are made. There is going to be a divine attraction that comes when this system of the world that is falling apart generates um, a place where people recognize that they need help. And from Zion, from the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is coming superior thoughts that will guide them in the way that they should go. That is what being light of the world is. Because it's not a light of the earth. It's light of the world. World is cosmos. Light of the world system. Showing the world the way to go. And that is how the world or the world becomes the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ and it will reign forever and ever. So we are here to raise an army equipped with thought and ability to build institutions that bring heaven to earth. That bring what? Heaven to earth. 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 That brings heaven to earth. That brings heaven to earth. So we're going to, so that is what we're doing. And you know, um, and we're beginning to develop this. Because you see, every, every system of heaven has some common characteristics. Yeah, so we can judge a system as to whether it is heavenly or not. You know, uh, Brother Copeland made the statement one time. He said the reason why he never thinks that God blesses people through the lottery. Okay, I've lost some people in the crowd already. Because somebody once came to me and said, you know, he wants to start a new lottery, what they call it, betting something. Yeah? Well, Baba Jabu, he didn't call it Baba Jabu. He made it sort of more, and he came, no, I'm telling you, he's a high lifer. Was. But he came to me and said he wants to start. And he wanted prayer. 
I'm telling you. I was like, I, I cannot do this. I cannot. And maybe it was Copeland's statement that haunted me. Because Brother Copeland said the reason why he knows that God is not going to bless anyone with the lottery is because somebody, a lot of people would lose. To win, someone else has to lose. But you see, in God's system of economy, if God is going to bless you, he will bless you and bless every channel that he uses to bless you. So you, you, can, you, you can, the materiality of heaven, when you bring heaven to earth, it feels different. The content is different. It feels different. So if we are building systems that bring heaven to earth, there, there is commonality. And we're going to start doing this. We're going to start doing this. You know, please, do not think that you are too small to change a system. Everybody that Jesus ever came to felt the same way. Jeremiah felt he was too young. Moses felt he was too old. You see, every single person, in fact, I didn't say, make that statement. No matter how old or young, every believer, everyone say every believer. Every believer is called to a ministry and every believer has a mission. This is the philosophy of the army. No matter how young you are or how old you are, every believer is called to a ministry and every believer has a mission. The Bible says that we are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God ordained beforehand that we should walk in them. Before you came, there, was a, there, were, there were entries made in your book, in the book of the Lord. The reason why he sent you was because you have a mission to fulfill for the kingdom of God. Every believer is called to a ministry. Every believer has a mission. It is your job to find out what that mission is. And that mission is definitely, for 99% of everybody that is listening to me, that mission is not behind a pulpit. That mission is in the marketplace. It is transforming the marketplace into God's kingdom through the thoughts and ability of God. And that mission is as important to the king as my mission standing behind this pulpit today. Every believer. So the quality of the systems of God have the same, there's a commonality there. So neuronomics is thought. Everyone say thought. It is thought showing how kingdom is done in the marketplace. It analyzes the integrity of design solutions and frames a scorecard on the basis of agreement with the following. And I'll, I'll, say, say, I'll show you what the following are. Rates, score 1 to 10. The purpose is to stretch beyond the usual, to stand out, outlier solutions that reveal creativity that is not of this world, but uh, wisdom that is from above. Are you with me? Wisdom that is from above. If all we are doing is being able to show a refined strategy that is of this world, 
it is not, it is not going to change anything. Because you cannot change a problem with the with same level of thinking that produces it. So this is our scorecard, and we are refining this. And we'll, we'll, so when we are looking at solutions, because we are going to start developing solutions. Yeah? You cannot develop a solution if you don't know what the problem is. How many of you know that? We need to have we need to have problem definitions um, meetings where we define the problem. Yeah? We define the problem. We come up with hypotheses. We gather data to validate our hypotheses. We come up with solutions. But those solutions, it has to have the DNA of heaven. Number one is spirituality. How the product or service agrees with the Christ-centered worldview, i.e. eulogy virtues. You know, eulogy virtues is the kind of thing they say to people when they die. Or they say to people about the person that dies. You know, good things. It's kind, it's generous. Yeah? So, your product or service, how does it rate on the spirituality scorecard? Value-based pricing. How user considers the price being that people are asking, um, you're asking people to pay. A kingdom solution doesn't mean it's free. A kingdom solution doesn't mean it's free. Because it shouldn't even be free because that's not sustainable. A kingdom solution is value-based. If my whole business model is arbitrage based on the fact that, oh, you don't know where they get this thing from. So I'll hide where they get it from so I can charge you double. That's not value-based pricing. And very soon, you're going to be exposed. They're going to know where you're getting it from. Thank God for the internet. Maybe the internet was invented for you. Value-based pricing. Cultural relevance. How the solution ranks with consideration of the province we're in. Cultural relevance. I was having a discussion about a Greek with somebody recently about mechanization. And it's like, if we mechanize everything, what happens to all the subsistence farmers? So if it's a kingdom solution, it is not just we mechanize everything. How about the people that are living? We, we have to engage with the thoughts of God. Everybody will be blessed in that path. You see, this is going to require a different kind of study. You see, people think that Christians don't study. That's part of our problem. We feel that we're not meant to study. We're not meant to engage thoughts. Meanwhile, we talk about heroes like Daniel. Cultural relevance, safety signaling, how harmless to humans, animals, plants, environment. Because God is as, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, it wasn't just people that he redeemed. The Bible says he reconciled all things to himself. Aesthetic aha. How aesthetically, essentially appealing. God is beautiful. He's creative. It's not boring. Demographic impact. Population of users that are, are impacted by it. Yeah? Neuronomic scorecard. You see, we're, 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 I see all these things where, you know, like we've started, uh, we've started the, the Highlight Family Group. Um, we've asked people to fill out this um, form. Those who have filled it out, we've added them to another group. And that group, we're going to now start looking at 
difficult problems, our, our prayer strategy is going to be based on solving those problems. Do you understand? Because we are raising an army. Our teaching, our teaching methodology is not just going to be transmitting information like this. That's why we do this once in six weeks. We need a methodology that is participatory so that people can be trained. Yeah? Because it's not just the projects we're doing, it's the projects in your office. God puts you there so that you can implement this scorecard. You're not going to say this came from my church. You're going to say, you know, it needs to be a win-win for everybody. The more people win, the more we can sell. Yeah, there's got to be a way we can do it in a way that does not destroy the earth. Let me, let me, give me some time. Give me some time. You understand? And you know, you bring it. So, aha. You see, we were not thinking about, you know, our, our drilling methodology before. But, because we thought, you know, it's just about the money. But if we are able to do both, drill in a way that ah, we don't destroy. Let's do that now. The, the community will like us. Is that not God's fault? Does it not raise your influence in that environment? So that when they have the next problem, guess who they're going to come to? Guess who can now speak to the king? So we're going to do this. And this is what we are developing. This is what we are building. So what are we going to do now? What time is it? Oh, okay. I said there, there are real consequences when we don't do this. There are real consequences. There are real consequences when we don't do this. 